Hey guys, it's Shootaround Mac here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Shootaround podcast. Josh and I were very excited to discuss the NBA on this day, and in true professional form, we neglected to cover all our bases before pressing record. We apologize for the quality of the audio this week and are taking measures to ensure this does not happen again. Thanks guys, keep shooting. Welcome to episode 11 of the Shoot Around podcast. My name is Josh. My name is Mackenzie. Uh, we apologize for missing last week. That was a last minute cancellation due to uh, unforeseen circumstances yeah. uh, that had me attending an event that I could not get out of or I would have been murdered by my partner. It's just a busy, it was just a busy weekend. It was but... not a good weekend for everyone involved. Yeah, we um, appreciate you guys reaching out and saying like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Where are you guys? It was crazy. We have nothing to do here. Mm. Put a podcast out. Mm. Just put a podcast out of you guys breathing into the mic. We would have appreciated that. But sorry, like we appreciate that feedback, mm. but we just couldn't do it. We didn't have the time. So it was a rough week. Um, but thank you guys for uh, your constant support. Um, all of the people out there that, um, you know, if you do enjoy the podcast, please let us know. It's becoming increasingly difficult to find support. Um, that's a joke. The uh, socials, Mac, take us through those. Yeah, no problem. So starting with Facebook and YouTube, uh, you can find us at the Shoot Around Podcast. Sorry, no at, but uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Shoot Around Pod. And we have our individual accounts now. So Josh is at Shoot Around Josh, and I'm just at Shoot Around Mac. On Reddit, we are u slash shootaroundpod. So interact with us on Reddit. We like to get into arguments there. Mm. Uh, on TikTok, we are at shootaroundnbapod. And Josh is solo on Twitch. I'm uh, trying. But he's going to be a content machine shortly, and probably so will I. On Twitch, he is at shootaroundjosh. So yeah. keep an eye out for that stuff. I'm hoping that I can put a video out this week. Um, hoping that I can do some live streaming on there, possibly some 2K content, Ooh. just working out the logistics. Uh, it's not as simple as just playing some games and putting it up, unfortunately. If it was that easy, then I'd have probably new content every day. But yeah. uh, it's not that easy. Um, yep. So take us through the news this week, Maka. What have we got? Absolutely. Uh, so just to start with here, the All-Star game was announced a couple of days ago. It's scheduled for March 7th. And... A couple days ago or yesterday, they announced the West and the East starters. Mm. Uh, so just quickly here, we had in the West, uh, it was Curry, LeBron, Doncic, Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. Mm. Um, that's 17 straight All-Star games for LeBron James. That's insane. Just unbelievable. And Lillard has yet to start an All-Star game still. Um, I just really wanted to say, I think he should be an All-Star starter. But at the end of the day, he's going to get voted in. So he'll he should be it. started over Luca. I think so as well. Yeah. Based on a few different things. Luca's been outstanding. Uh, but Lillard, most recently, even uh, all season, though, he's been very stable, but he's been outstanding very recently. Um, as far as the East starters go, uh, we had Kyrie, Brad Beal, Giannis, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, pretty outstanding starting lineup. Well, I would have liked to have seen James Harden as a starter for the East, but hey, nope. 
Kyrie, Kyrie is a uh, a good choice as well. Yeah, I'm not it happy with that one either. But look, you know, what can you do? All I can do is sit here and complain about you know creating super teams to beat LeBron. Exactly. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was the East uh, All Star team. Now the All Star game reserves. So that would be fourteen players remaining, seven for each conference. Um, they're going to be selected by the NBA head coaches, uh, which I feel like the the voting system for the reserves should include more than just the coaches. I think it should include even media members, even though they might have their biases. The coaches can have biases as well, but I think they should expand who chooses the reserves. Uh, nonetheless, they'll be chosen by the head coaches. That's going to be unveiled by TNT on Tuesday, uh, February the 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's American time. Uh, that'll be Wednesday for us over here down under. Uh, but yeah, that's the all-star game. Did you have any thoughts on the starters or? Oh, other than what I said, no. Yeah. I think that Luca, um, probably interchangeable with Dame. Um, I think other than that, there's not too much to say about it. Um, it's pretty close to all our predictions, but it was obvious from the fan voting what was going to happen. Yeah, well, um, that's the thing. Uh, Doncic and Lillard tied outside of fan voting and fan voting put Doncic over the top. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's a fan-driven game anyway. I understand it, although I still thought Lillard should have started. Look, it's inter good. it's international too. It's really good exposure. Yeah, uh, for is. the league internationally, so I can see why you know Luca would be a starter regardless of fan voting or you know any other voting. They they need more international recognition, and I mean four out of the the ten players selected are international players. Um, so yeah, it's uh, really good for the league and and really good for the. Um, NBA internationally. Absolutely. I was going to say, like, Luca would have an entire country of Slovenia basically voting for him. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really surprised. And Joel Embiid, huge following in Africa. Yeah. Um, Cameroon. Yeah. And then you've got Nikola Jokic, who has his followers in Europe as well. So, look, it's just becoming, you know, increasingly um, international and, and the league's just expanding quite quickly. So, exactly. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense why there's, you know, four international guys in the starting. Um, starting fives. Well deserved for all of them, so congrats. Yes. Um, big news last week. Um, Marv Albert said retirement is on the horizon. Oh no. <sighs> yes. I've never never seen you this happy. It's it's a big day. Um, what day was it he announced it exactly? Uh, it was... Feb 9th. Feb 9th, yes. So that was a quote from him. Retirement is on the horizon, obviously pretty vague, um, but the sooner the better. Uh, Marv used to be an outstanding uh, announcer for the NBA for many years, including calling Knicks games when the Madison Square Garden and that team there was actually pretty good. Um, they're, you know, having a resurgent season, season, sorry, but he calls games for TNT and he's just senile. Uh, it's really awful to hear him paired with Chris Webber, who is the king of run on sentences. So um, Marv Albert retiring is not a bad thing. You heard it here first. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that the, you know, the league needs better commentators and I think that's, that's pretty clear. Um, and I think the, the whole team commentator situation that they have going at the moment should be switched up. Um, but yeah, look, that's, that's the league's decision. That's probably a conversation, um, for the league to have. And I don't think many people are interested in what commentators have to say anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, it's a change for the league, which is good. Change is always nice. Yeah. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that ends up and who they end up putting at the, the forefront. Yeah, well, it won't be hard to top Marv Albert. So <laughs> anyone who takes that spot is in for a good role. 
Okay. Um, so next up, we had Blake Griffin um, being sat out by the Detroit Pistons until a suitor is found, meaning another team to go to, whether that's via buyout, and then the other team uh, signs him, or if they somehow find a trade partner. Seems highly unlikely. Um, I don't know who wants to take on that loaded contract. Nearly $40 million a season. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Perhaps Westbrook for Blake Griffin. Maybe. And maybe like... The Pistons want Westbrook? I mean, yeah. Pistons left throwing some picks. It kind of gets to that point where... And this is why some of the... just bad contracts each way. Exactly. And that's the only way to match them. That's mm. why some of the point guards most recently, you know, Westbrook Wall, Westbrook Chris Paul, they keep getting traded for each other because it's like... Okay, so we can make the money work this way. Both teams kind of get something out of it, and then they just do the deal. Yeah. Um, it's kind of awkward with the contracts, not going to lie. Yeah, it's not great. It's really not great. And it's probably the most untradeable contract in the league right now. It might um, be. It might be. After we called out you know, that contract earlier in the season, as yeah. well as some other contracts that we mentioned. Um, but yeah, that, that contract, especially after the way he started the season, then again, he has said that he doesn't want to play in Detroit anymore. So uh, maybe going to a new franchise will, you know, liven up his career a little bit. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Um, my mic was just really low there. Yeah, that's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that's okay. We sorted that out. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, next up also Andre Drummond of the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, is being sat by Cleveland until a trade partner is found. Again, um, Hard to find a partner for Andre Drummond. Well, the league, yeah, the league. A lot of players have now come out and slammed the Cavaliers and the Pistons for, you know, basically putting a hold on these guys' careers. Yeah. Andre Drummond, I think, is 26. Let me just fact check that. So it's still early in his career. You know, like, he has a long way to go, and he's now missing out on some of the most – he's 27. He's now missing out on some of the most important – uh, moments of his career he's supposed to be you know coming into his prime he's entering his prime yeah and now cleveland are like well you know we're not going to get anything for you if you leave in free agency so let's just sit him until we can get a better player yeah um the good thing is the demand for rebounding centers probably has never been higher especially in the east um with miami toronto mm-hmm. brooklyn all of these teams really struggling um, on the boards uh, so uh, there's an opportunity there for him to get picked up, mm-hmm. but how much would a team be willing to give up for a guy that's that's being paid that much money who who's you know uh, an expert rebounder and yeah. doesn't offer much more? Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of talk around the league about what his value actually is. Um, obviously, he's had on the surface pretty impressive traditional stats. Uh, he leads the league in rebounding by a fair margin. Uh, he's averaging just under 20 points a game. He's always among the leaders of combined block steals, which yeah. I always find very impressive for a guy of his size. He's very quick with with his hands and with his feet uh, when he gets switched out on players and what have you. But his motor is also very high, and that's why he goes after rebounds and plays pretty decent defense. At the same time, uh, when I was looking into some trade partners for him, uh, for example, Kyle Lowry comes up a lot because they have matching salary numbers. But at the same time, what you're giving up in Kyle Lowry may not be equivalent to what you're bringing back in with Andre Drummond. And as I said, his traditional stats on the surface look impressive. But then as you dive into how he actually impacts the game, there's a lot of evidence that he is a legitimate empty stats type of player, especially offensively. Uh, He's one of the highest usage players in the league and isn't super efficient. 
for a big guy. I think he shoots under 48% from the field. Yes. Uh, that, that's, just under. Yeah. It's not great. Um, he shoots 59% from the free throw line, which is yeah. much better than early in his career. Um, but he also, just for his usage rate and for his inability relative to other centers to finish in the paint, is a little bit uh, underwhelming. And also, when you throw him the ball, he kind of is like a black hole. So, depending on where he goes, he might just fit into a system where he doesn't need to be high usage. And like you said, he can just be a big guy uh, who does big guy things like rebound the ball, protect the paint, mm. and just generally wreak havoc on defense. He doesn't need to necessarily focus on scoring as much like he has in Cleveland. And I think that would be good for him uh, to kind of know his role and, and play it well. He's part of my hot tag later uh, in the episode. I think okay. that the, the demand for rebounding in the NBA has probably never been higher, as I said earlier, especially in the East where it's significantly weaker than the West, uh, which we'll also get into. But uh, I think that the opportunity for Andre Drummond to go to a better situation has probably never been higher. Um, and look, he, he's either going to go uh, in free agency and make a good amount of money, definitely yep. not anywhere close to the contract he's on now, um, but he'll make a good amount of money. Um, and you know has the opportunity to really develop a, a career for himself um, yeah. as a as a career double double guy. I think yeah, there, there's going to be a team, a good suitor out there for him, and I can see Cleveland buying him out full stop. I don't see any team wanting to give up the equivalent of assets for him because the return may not be as great. But if Cleveland buys him out, there's going to be plenty of teams lining up to uh, to sign him at a discounted contract. So I, look out for that. I can't see him being bought out only because Cleveland want a return on him. Like that's, that's, that's the whole reason why he's on the trade market right now is because Fair. they know he's leaving at the end of the season. He's he's, yeah. he's basically said, you know, this is my last year in Cleveland. Um, and the opportunity for them to get something back on him is, you know, it's pretty good. It looks pretty it good right now. Um, if they can pick up even a second round pick for him, they'd be pretty happy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can see them shopping him around and maybe some team bites on him, but I can also see absolutely no bites coming. For Cleveland, and then they have to make a decision. They may not get a return, but at least they can make him happy, and they can sort of divorce from him in a uh, decent way. Yeah, a morally correct way, I suppose. Anyway, um, yeah, good luck to Andre Drummond on the trade market. Not not getting to play. Let me just um, also call out franchises for sitting players. I really don't like it. Okay, I think so. It's, you're it's you're in alignment with Draymond Green. I'm 100 on Draymond's team. Yes. Damon, Draymond, Draymond, Draymond Green's team. I'm on Draymond Green's team. I'm on the green team. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I love Draymond Green. I love that he's outspoken. Um, there's some nuances to what he said that can be discussed, but I don't, you know, I'm not prepared for that debate. So we'll leave it. You've got your opinion. That's cool. Okay. Um, I'm ready to bite. Go. <laughs> no, I have, I have nothing at this stage. I need to look more into it. Nonetheless. Um, moving on here, Travis Schlenk, GM of the Atlanta Hawks, had an interview with Ryan Rosillo on yep. Rosillo's podcast, which was really good. Yep. I was always interested in what Schlenk, sort of how he looked at the NBA and, and how his outlook was for the Hawks. He dropped many interesting knowledge nuggets. Uh, one of them included basically saying that the team really missed DeAndre Hunter because uh, he's been out with injury. His versatility, his size, his ability to score off the dribble and shoot the ball, play defense. Uh, he's been pretty invaluable, arguably one of their three most valuable players. So with him being out, uh, I was just surprised because I didn't know he was of that much value to them. Uh, I would have thought someone more like, you know, Collins and then you know, obviously have Trey Young, Clint Capella. But Schlenk reckons that 
uh, DeAndre Hunter is their unsung MVP this year. I would so agree. him being out yeah. has coincided with them struggling, a yeah. bit, which is unfortunate. But um, uh, pardon me, Schlenk also mentioned that the team hasn't actually held too many shootarounds this year. So that's affected the way, obviously, you get into rhythm, you get to practice your jump shooting. Uh, players like, you know, uh, Cam Reddish, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, all, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, all those players aren't getting the reps that they normally would during an average season, a regular NBA season. So it's been a bit of a struggle for that team in terms of getting consistency. And that's, again, unfortunate. They probably aren't the only team that's been saddled with uh, a tightened schedule, so they can't schedule as many shootarounds. And the logistics of things just make it very hard. Also, he mentioned having to do the testing every day just eats into the time. So basically, it's created an up and down effect with this team and the shooting. I thought it was interesting because now we're the shoot around podcast talking about shoot arounds. Yep. And essentially, with the lack of our podcast last week and with the Hawks coming out and saying they don't schedule shoot arounds, there's just not enough shoot around this season. It's, it's really unfortunate, and we apologize for that. If you need more shoot around, feel free to donate um, so we can make this a full-time job and yeah. uh, really, you know, start to start to really give you more shoot arounds. Um, Should we include our BSB and our uh, account numbers? In the, in the yeah, uh, I'll include the account numbers here. <laughs> here. I think you're editing this week, so good luck with that one. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, now we're going to move on to just some observations. Uh, Davis Bertans dropped 35 on nine of the Latvian laser. The laser he lived is back. up to it. The laser was out of battery life. He uh, was. He got some charge. Yep. Suddenly dropped 35 in a, a big victory. He did uh, against Denver. He was nine of 11 from the three point line and eight of eight on free throws. First player in NBA history to score 30 without a two point field goal. Yeah, it's amazing. Unbelievable. I thought. Duncan did it, but it might have been like 28. Look, Duncan would have been a good guess. Yeah, but uh, I did. I did think Duncan did it, but you know, Duncan Donuts just doesn't do that. <laughs> Donuts. Yeah, no, that Sorry. was uh, that's that record is all Davis's. Yeah, so wow. good for him. Yeah, nice. Um, also, uh, I had a, a stat line from last week with Draymond Green. Yeah, uh, he had a 2.6 rebound, 15 assist, seven steal four block, seven turnover, five fouls game on 0 of 2 field goal shooting, including one missed three-point attempt and two of two from the free throw line. He's incredible. He was the first player in NBA history, uh, sorry, no, in the last 30 seasons to have 15 assists, five rebounds, and five steals in a game without a field goal. So that's a bit cherry-picked. Still pretty incredible. That's amazing. That Draymond Green can impact the game the way he does. Yeah. Uh, and this actually leads into uh, one of your favorite segments, Fun Fact Matt. Okay, here we go. Uh, on February 10th, 2017, Draymond Green's stat line read as such. Four points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, 10 steals. He was the first player in NBA history to post a triple-double. Without Without double-digit yeah. points. Yeah. So again, Draymond Green is just an incredible uh, basketball player, period. Yeah. Uh, his impact on the game you could argue can't even be measured in stats. Oh, I can't. He puts up lines like this. The box score is just not even close. But that's you know his stat lines are so strange. Like every, every time you look at him, it's like you know one point or yeah you know, eight rebounds, four assists, and yeah. then he might have like eleven steals and two blocks. Like he's just Nuts. he's strange. Um, but he impacts the game in so many different ways. You know, there's not many guys that can fill 
like give you stats in that many categories um and yeah. he's not worried about scoring um so exactly. one of my favorite players so we're just going to quickly touch on the uh power rankings for this week um so this is going back to the last one um so the rookies we'll start with the rookies we're going to snap through them this week yeah i think that the the real um interesting thing that that people uh find is the the instagram posts yeah they get they off it. on those they love those yeah and then they can argue on there yeah um, with so us last week or the last power rankings we had lamello was number one followed by tyrese halliburton james wiseman cole anthony and tyrese maxi so there's actually out. been uh three changes this week yeah uh, and at that point special shout out to patrick williams now this week um number five is patrick williams he's made the list um he's been really consistent for chicago Emmanuel quickly comes in at number four for the New York Knicks. Amazing. He's Incredible. really good. He actually isn't even averaging 20 minutes a game. Yeah. And he's among the five leading rookie scorers. Yeah. So big shout out to Emmanuel quickly. Anthony Edwards, um, I believe second in scoring. for Making me eat my words. He's playing really well at the moment. He's getting really the well. minutes and he's improving game by game. Honestly, if you watch his highlights from the beginning to now, his understanding of the game is really improved. Yeah. Uh, number two was remains Tyrese Halliburton. He's holding very strong. Uh, he just happens to be getting dwarfed by LaMelo Ball. Uh, LaMelo Ball has been unbelievable this year. Since he's gone into the starting lineup for the Charlotte Hornets, he's been incredible. He's leading all rookies in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. So. I've actually got a fact about LaMelo Ball. Oh. Did you know- Fun fact, Josh. That he is the leading jersey seller in Australia. I did know that actually. Yeah, there you go. I was trying to buy his jersey and it was sold out. Yeah. So amazing. Thanks, Australia. Yeah, nice work, guys. Um, <laughs> putting a uh, American poster boy at the top of our our jersey sales. It's yeah, good work. And it's funny too because there was a lot of controversy when he was here playing for the Illawarra Hawks. Yeah. In the NBL, there was a lot of people saying he was a selfish player. Uh, he was empty stats. Blah blah blah. Just really not on his side. No. And now he's doing. It's ridiculous. In the NBA. Like. A lot of slander for no reason. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, his move to Australia has really put the NBL. We can probably have this conversation in an upcoming episode, but Could do. his uh, his efforts in the NBL have really put us on the map as far as international basketball and the way it's discussed. Yeah. Um, and even RJ Hampton, who's actually playing pretty well at the moment for Denver, getting the minutes he's that he's getting. Finally playing. Yeah, yeah um, he's, he's done um, pretty well over there. And you know the discussion for the NBL is only only getting more more interesting and and growing the game over here. So yeah. you know it's props to guys like Lamelo and and um, you know the other guys that have come over here that have uh, really made the the Australian game more intense and and more more competitive and more attractive for other players to come 100%. join. The other thing too, and you can tell that it's growing, is you have a lot of American investment, mm. uh, a lot of players, former NBA players, investing in some of the teams. So that's really cool yep. to see. Um, moving on to the players. So the last power rankings, uh, we had number five, or we'll just go from the top. We had Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Durant uh, rounding out the five. Now, honorable mention that week went to Stephen Curry, just missing the top five. This week, we have Stephen Curry at number five. Uh, he's been at the 2015-2016 level in terms of his play when yeah. he was the unanimous MVP. Uh, his numbers have eclipsed those, I believe, even just slightly, if not matched them. And he's really carrying the Golden State Warriors to their record. They actually have, I think they're three games above 500. So they've been playing good basketball Special overall. mention to Ubre's improvements as well. He's uh, actually started playing 
decent basketball yeah, uh, he, in he the last that, couple of games. Yeah, he had that big 40-point game on Dallas. He did. I think in his last five, he's averaging that 25 and 5 or something like that. So he's doing pretty well. Good for Tsunami Puppy. Um, <laughs> number four, Damian Lillard, who, as we mentioned, didn't make the All-Star starters, Bad but time. he has made our top five MVP ranking. That's more important. Much more important. You're welcome, Damian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number three was Joel Embiid. Number remains two, Joel Embiid. Yeah, number two le- remains LeBron James. And number one remains the Joker, Nikola Jokic. Um, we had a little bit of a heated argument over text about who should be number one. Um, I kind of hinted that LeBron's been doing really well. Yeah. I mean, understatement. But Jokic remains at the top for different reasons. I think it could change with Davis being out for a little while now. Yeah. I think we'll really see LeBron put the team on his back and start to wear that badge a bit more. The the scoring and everything falls on him now. So I'll be interested to see what he comes up with. You know, that that uh, logo pull up doesn't do him any favors. Yeah. But uh, no, you know. that was <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> that was special. That yeah. was that special. was prime yeah. LeBron. I'd give that a special. Yeah. And then sure. also him being locked up by Lou Dort and throwing up an air ball. That was another big one. True. Yeah. yeah. But everyone gets locked up by Lou Dort. He's... Actually, except Lillard. Lillard porched him the other night. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, Lou Dort, special shout out. Um, the teams. So last time we had number four, uh, number one, Utah Jazz. Number two, Los Angeles Lakers. Number three, Los Angeles Clippers. Number four, the Philadelphia 76ers. And number five were the Milwaukee Bucks. They are just missing the cut. Yeah. They've been fucked. Terrible. Uh, number six last time was the Brooklyn Nets. How? Hang on, just let me interject here for a second Uh-oh. while you bring up Milwaukee. Now what? What are you rating that trade now? Which one? Uh, the Holiday, Holiday Bledsoe. Bledsoe? Well, Holiday's been injured recently. Yes. Um, I rate it, I still rate it the way I should rate it, which is a win for the Bucks. Okay, um, cool. Bledsoe's been good. That's fine. I mean, they... You could argue that they would have lost some continuity and some camaraderie when you trade a guy that's been there for a few years, Bledsoe that is. But when you add in a guy like Holiday, uh, as we discussed, the defense actually improves, even though Bledsoe is one of the best defensive uh, backcourt players in the league. Holiday is even not better this than season. Him. Maybe not this season. Yeah. Holiday is even better. Uh, he's also a better offensive player. Yep. Uh, and he's able to switch on more players on defense as well. So that's I still fine. think Holiday wins there. I was the just Bucks curious. Win. I was but just curious. Nothing's changed. No. Okay. They're, I think where they, and we can get into this afterwards, we've got some Giannis talk, but I think where the Bucks have gone wrong is the rest of the team. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. So this week, uh, the top five is Phoenix Suns at number five, the Los Angeles Clippers at number four, Philadelphia 76ers come in at number three, the Lakers come in at number two, and the Utah Jazz hold strong at number one. They started the season four and four they are now 24 and five incredible i know really it's is. unbelievable it really is and they have won 20 of their 24 games by at least 10 points it's crazy it's it is, it's quite amazing to it's see really the way impressive. they're playing and that's huge testament to the coaching staff over there um even more to you know mike conley for his resurgence yeah and then jingles just, just jingling the goat next thing i wanted to talk about was a little segment i kind of made up on the fly uh i call it the nba gm bachelor's party mm. so essentially uh if the salary cap and the trade restrictions were completely suspended uh which means you don't have to match salaries by like five percent or whatever it is uh what move are you making so you get to let loose for one night like a bachelor party 
Um, I think a lot of people would have some good opinions on this one. I'm curious to hear what people think. So please let us know on all of our platforms. Uh, come give us a shout on Reddit and downvote us to the realm of hell. So money doesn't have to match. You don't need to bring into the draft picks. Yeah, okay. You can, so you, you can, can do whatever you trade want. trade whoever you want. Um, now, the trade should be within reason. I should yeah. say that. Yeah. So as an example, I wrote, you can't trade Stephen Curry for Kendrick Nunn. Okay. Uh, not to diss Kendrick Nunn, but nope, that trade's never happening. Okay. So that type of trade is not allowed. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. All right. Uh, I'd trade Duncan Robinson for LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lakers win that one. So... Uh, I actually didn't want to research this because what I really wanted to do was think of something on the fly while we were watching this, uh, watching while we were recording this and, um, you know, think of something that could assist a franchise. And I think that the only one that I could really come up with would be Jamal Murray to the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Yeah. On. Adding more scoring and adding a point guard who uh, can get you those points and is still that um, he's that lethal offensive threat, um, but he can also give you a little bit of defense. I think that he'd be the guy that you'd swap for, you know, off the top, maybe Fred Van Vliet, maybe. But you know, that's a that's a trade that goes both ways. That's a trade that would probably help Denver. Um, it'd give. Um, you know, Toronto a little bit more size in the backcourt. Okay. Um, but, you know, Fred Van Vliet's one of the best one-on-one defenders, you know, pound for pound. I do like Freddie. Um, yeah. That's a tough one. I, I actually like the idea because Jamal Murray, I think, is, I mean, as much as Denver probably loves him, they paid him $35 million or whatever. Um, giving him a new situation, uh, kind of getting him off that stale Denver situation could be beneficial for him and for the player that comes into Denver. Uh, getting to play with Jokic, they're going to improve, I think. So that's a fair one. Um, I like where you're going with that. Do you have anything else to add with that trade? Another one I'd like to see, Andre Drummond go to the Boston Celtics. Okay. Um, so the guy, you know, I, I really think that the Celtics should look at moving off Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. So possibly trading Kemba Walker for maybe Sexton and uh, Drummond. Possibly needing to throw in some picks there because that's not going to work for... Um, the way that Cleveland are valuing Sexton right now, but it could be Garland coming back in return, which I also don't mind for Boston. It mm-hmm. makes them younger. Um, it gives Garland a new opportunity, possibly better coaching staff, better situation for him, um, like and allows him to get to the rack a bit more. And also Drummond adds that rebounding that they're missing, and it'll also give them an opportunity to move off Thompson or Tice, um, depending on who you get more back for, which would be Tice. Um, I don't think that's even close anymore. Um, yeah. It's, that's an interesting one, actually. That one makes a lot of sense. Uh, maybe not for Cleveland, because they, they might value Garland and Sexton. But nonetheless, I like where you're coming from with that. Uh, my trade was straight up. Carl Anthony Towns to the Golden State Warriors for James Wiseman. Uh, I would love to see Towns on the Warriors. I think because the Warriors are in win-now mode, they don't have time necessarily. Uh, time is a relative term in this stage for... Wiseman to develop into that championship level big man. Towns is arguably already that. He can shoot the ball. He can defend the paint, although he has a lot of room for improvement there. And he's a pretty decent passer. I think he would fit extremely well next to Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. 
And also Minnesota gets a potential franchise big guy in return. And it also probably makes Towns happy to get out of Minnesota and to go to beautiful uh, San Francisco for some nice year-round weather. And, I mean, who doesn't want to hang out with Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson? I think he's been struggling a little bit this year. So giving him a, a new situation would, you know, make his, his career development go through the roof. I um, think Steve Kerr would be drooling if he saw he was going to get Towns. Yeah. Like, that's such a, like, he's got I so actually, many tools. I'm, I'm going to try and make the trade work uh, because I actually like that. I think that's, a, you know, a really good trade, um, really good for both um, teams. You know, it it gives... Okay. It gives, um, it really gives uh, Minnesota the chance to develop and bring on a new situation to, to grow with Anthony Edwards, and it also removes, you know, that that stale franchise mentality that Carl Anthony Towns has. Almost, unfortunately, almost like a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's arguably their best drafted player ever. If you I, you could compare that to Kevin Garnett and so on and so forth. But, yeah. You know, talent-wise, talent-wise, he he has everything you need in a big man. But I think James Wiseman has that career trajectory as well. So let's look at Carl Anthony Towns being traded to Golden State as a serious trade. Okay, this it, is the bachelor party's over now. It's back to back to all the. Wives. This is reality. Yeah. So Carl Anthony Towns moves to Golden State. Uh, Golden State in return sends Minnesota Kelly Oubre, James Wiseman. Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney, Kevon Looney, uh, and some draft picks, I would assume. So that works as far as financials. They're saying that Golden State are worse off by eleven wins. <laughs> They're both worse off, apparently. Significantly doubt that. Um, but <laughs> see this this whole metric thing. I never even looked. It that. doesn't make any sense. Hollinger's analysis. Like, yeah, I just ignore that. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so what that would allow Golden State to do is then win. <laughs> Who would have thunk of that? Yeah. Winning. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but also, um, the the benefit is also for Minnesota, like you said, gets the bad taste out of their mouth with Towns. They may not end up keeping Uber because he's on a one-year deal for yeah. $14.5 million, Yeah. But they keep Wiseman at a, a pretty good contract. He's going to turn into a really good big guy. Mm. Uh, as I've said, a future Defensive Player of the Year candidate, mm. among other things. He's got great offensive skills. And you get to pair him with... Edwards. Edwards and maybe Russell if you want to keep him. No, around. I'd move Russell. Move as well. on. Yeah, get rid of Russell. I I think that the best situation for Minnesota would be to tear down and hand Edwards the keys and just go, mate. This is your franchise now. Like that's the two top draft picks from this, this yeah, most it is. recent draft. So it is. then how good is that for Minnesota? It is. That's great for Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I could see this trade actually happening too. Um, I don't think Minnesota would be very happy about it. Um, then again, you're getting arguably the best big man we've seen out of the draft class since Nikola Jokic. So yeah. With it, that trade, it's, I think they're in the same draft. Anyway, uh, maybe one year before for Jokic. Anyway, uh, I think Golden State might have to throw in some picks for that one. Um, but nonetheless, for the bachelor party, Wiseman Town straight up. For real life, with the wives back in tail, you have Ubre, Wiseman, Looney, probably draft picks. You can probably swap one of those guys for someone else to make the money work or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For Carl Anthony Towns, both teams win. Hopefully yep. we can make it happen. Make put it out in the universe and it happens. Yeah, if we speak about it enough, I'm sure someone will mention it on a big blog somewhere, and then it might end up happening. Yeah, it's we'll the see. way these things work, you know. Yeah, we have that influence. <laughs> um, the next thing I wanted to bring up. This is going to be controversial, uh, and I know it will be, but I actually strongly believe in this uh, potentially here. Has Giannis Antetokounmpo hit his ceiling as an individual? He turned 26 a few months ago. 
No. You don't think so? No. Okay. So if you watch him play, uh, you know, he's on the perimeter. He's trying to take drives. He's trying to drive to the paint. And then he's also playing in the paint with Euro steps and, and just sort of dunking on guys. I honestly feel like we've seen the peak of Giannis because I don't think he'll ever be a great shooter. I don't think that's his role on a truly championship contender team. I think if you look at his stats, he's shooting this season, right? He's shooting 76 and a half from five feet or less. So basically around the paint, around the, the net. He shoots 33% from five to nine feet. He shoots 24% from 10 to 14. And he shoots 30% from 15 feet out. He's a terrible shooter, terrible jump shooter. His form is hideous. And I know he works hard on his shooting because you can tell his work ethic is in the top five of the league. But I think he needs to focus. Like, I think he's peaked for what he's trying to be, which is kind of like the Swiss Army knife, uh, kind of like a taller, lankier LeBron James. Um, but I think he's better suited to be a, a second option and in the Anthony Davis role, where he can focus on being a big guy, not having to dribble and, and try to drive into the paint because that's where Miami and Toronto shut him off when they built the wall, so to speak, with multiple guys in the playoffs. I think what we're seeing from Giannis is not his most effective play style, but I think as an individual stats-wise and skill-wise, I honestly think he's peaked. I don't think he's going to improve as a shooter, and I just think if he can move into a big guy role, a proper big man role, even, again, if you wanted to play bachelor party, if he was going to go into Golden State, they'd have him as their center, and he would play a center the, the center position. He might be a point center, passing to the shooters. But I think Giannis has peaked in terms of individual improvement. I really do. Wow. It doesn't look like anything has changed this year. The Bucks aren't even that much better. And again, like I was going to say, I think the, the rest of the team is pretty weak relative to the previous seasons. I don't think they're as formidable as they are, as they were last year in terms of their roster. But I do think Giannis has peaked. Okay. I have a couple of things that I disagree with, but there's also a couple of things that I do agree with. I agree that his role should be more limited, but I also, I want to to grow that discussion a bit more and say that that is not Giannis's fault. I wouldn't blame Giannis for for the team being not very good. I would say that the franchise and the coaching staff have more to answer for as far as Giannis's development and Giannis's team around him. and their scheme. Coach yeah. Bud has a very limited uh, array of offensive plays. He's on a short leash right now. He should be. He yeah. should be. I think that what Giannis needs is a new coach mm-hmm. and a new system, which is why I think that, that it's really good for the league to see Giannis stay in Milwaukee, but it's not good for Giannis. Um, Giannis needed to go to a new situation to really develop his career and get himself to the next level. Do I think that he can be a better shooter? I, I do. I honestly believe well, that. We've be. seen it before. We've seen LeBron go from one of the worst jump shooters in the league to arguably one of the better ones. Um, I wouldn't say he's elite. I'd say he's good. Um, but he's he's one of the better uh, jump shooters in the league. The, the problem with Giannis is that they gave him a point guard who doesn't pass in Drew Holiday or... I'm not going to say he doesn't pass. I'm going to say that Drew Holiday was not the answer for Giannis. Mm-hmm. What what Giannis needed was someone that could get him the ball into the paint and allow him to then alter the defense to get those players the looks that they needed. Mm-hmm. The way that Milwaukee went about it was to get themselves another one-on-one scorer. 
That's not how you win in today's NBA. We've, we've seen it with the LA Lakers trying to win with just LeBron and AD. It doesn't work. What you need is depth. You need players that can make jump shots. That's why Ken, uh, Caldwell Pope is on the contract that he's on. That's why Kyle Kuzma got the contract that he did yep. because these are catch and shoot guys. These are guys that can get open and get the ball when you know Anthony Davis or LeBron are doubled in the paint. Giannis doesn't have those options outside of Brook Lopez and Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's also a better one-on-one scorer when he has the ball in his hands and he's dribbling. He's not so much a catch-and-shoot type of player. What they needed was a Kyle Korver, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero type catch-and-shoot guy. He's from Milwaukee. He is from Milwaukee. He is. He's a Wisconsin boy. Um, But the, the franchise needs to do more for Giannis. I think that his development would be better served with a different head coach, with a better situation. And I agree with you that his his role should be limited to a center role where he gets the ball in the paint and is able to make a read on defense, similar to the way Jokic plays. Um, but, you know, Jokic likes to play inside the paint and then work his way out, whereas I think the other way around would be better for Giannis because he doesn't have that jump shot threat yet. Not even close. There's no threat from him to shoot. If he's shooting, the other team's laughing. Like, yes, yeah. please shoot. As I just read through, read through his stats, they're embarrassing. I think they need to simplify his role to get the most out of Giannis because he's trying to do too much. And again, you're right. That's probably not their, his fault directly unless he's demanding to be the guy that also handles the ball uh, rebounds, defensive paint, you know, like he won defensive player of the year last year. That's no joke. But if he can focus on being the defensive player of the year and also on offense, focus on being in the paint, his shooting is atrocious. Like he shouldn't be shooting jump shots. And I don't think he should be trying to dribble drive all the time. Like I said, he's trying to be LeBron James when he's better suited to be Anthony Davis. I think the other thing with uh, Giannis is his defense on the perimeter. It's, it's good. It's um, right, but it's yeah. not at an elite level. He he is best served in the paint, both offensively and defensively. That is where he makes the most impact. He's one of the hardest players to score on downhill. Absolutely. He's one of the hardest players to defend downhill. So getting him in a situation where he can run and gun both ends is the best way to utilize Giannis. He can do a lot of things. He can. He's one of the most skilled big men I've ever seen. He is good, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't and, discredit him. In that yeah, way. yeah. Look, he's up there with with uh, Nikola Jokic as far as his offering and Joel Embiid. Yep. Those are the three best big men in the league. He's only the two-time MVP. Exactly, exactly. And this is where I think that the Bucks needed to do more for him this offseason. Uh, they got him. You know, DJ Augustine was their biggest their biggest get. Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes. That no, you sorry, know, it was Bobby Portis, and I don't even like Bobby. Look, Portis. Bobby Portis has actually been pretty good for them. He has been. He he's been pretty good for them, but you know why? He's a catch and shoot player. You pick up three of those, you get rid of the rest of the guys on that in that backcourt, and you clean house. If you want Giannis to be at his best, you need catch and shoot players surrounding him. Uh, you throw the bag at. Duncan Robinson, you'd throw the bag at, at uh, who's another catch and shoot guy? Clay Thompson. Yeah. You know, these are guys that would best serve. Wayne Any of those guys, Reggie Bullock. Like, you know, these are guys that are uh, average NBA players, but they're elite catch and shoot scorers. That's their skill. And that's what Giannis needs on his team. I agree. Um, and Brooke Lopez is not the answer. He doesn't have the quickness to get 
um, off screens. He can't defend any to get screens. himself open. The Raptors torched him. Yeah, because Two he sits games. back. He, he hasn't got um, elite quickness. He he has a very big problem in getting side to side. He has elite slowness. Yeah, he is. He is in the elite level of slowness up there with Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Um, but look, the 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 Bucks situation isn't good long term. Um, they have you know Drew Holiday off contract. They have Chris Middleton who is on a big contract. Who you know? How do you how do you maneuver um, if you're the Bucks right now? You, you haven't got anywhere to go. And as you said, you know, Giannis needs more. He needs more to, to be the best player in the league and to not have won anything outside of uh, two MVPs and a Defensive Player of the Year award. He is an elite player, but he's not in a good situation. I agree. He is an elite player. Again, like we said, he's a two-time MVP. This iteration of the Bucks does not worry me at all. No. You watch them play and you're like, that team's not winning a championship. No. They're not no. even going to beat the 76ers. No. Or even the Nets for that matter. Um, but my point is basically, I think he's peaked as an individual. I think his skill set has maxed out, honestly. He may improve as a shooter. I just don't think he can. Or I don't think he will, sorry. He definitely can, but I don't think he will. And I think he's best served to have a simplified role on a properly a team that's properly placed around him or he's placed into a good situation. Like yeah. Golden State, for example. Yeah. It's hard to see that happening. Golden State suddenly picking him up. But who knows? The trade deadline could get really crazy. Yeah, look, I think JJ Redick should be a target for Milwaukee. That's another one. Um, yeah. he's probably one of the the uh, players on the market that they should they should really go he's after. Available. He is available. Um he's made some pretty boneheaded plays recently. But yeah. uh he just needs a new situation. Like, the, you know, New Orleans is struggling. Yeah. Um, the Van Gundy coaching assignment is not playing out very well for them. So far, it hasn't been amazing. I yeah. think they can still pick it up. But nonetheless, yeah. there's a lot of room for improvement there. Maybe don't sign Stephen Adams to a, a massive contract when he doesn't fit. Um, and I love Stephen Adams. But anyway, that's the Pelicans and that's the Bucks again. Just yeah. a couple more names, sorry, for Giannis's Bucks. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Buddy Hield is also available. He might be someone that they bring in. He's one of the elite catch-and-shoot guys in the NBA. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich did just sign with Atlanta, but that could be an option that they look at possibly uh, in the next year or so, depending yeah. on how Atlanta develop and, and where they end up. Um, Ananobi, he's not moving from Toronto. Uh, but, yeah, look, these are these are all guys that have elite catch-and-shoot ability and, um, you know, could potentially be on the trade market in the next couple of years. So I'm just laughing because <laughs> Josh is going in, he went into the top 100 players yeah. and then he, he just command F and then put in catch. Catch and shoot. <laughs> and uh, Anobi came up and was like, uh, should I say, oh, he's gonna, yeah, he's not gonna do it. Spencer, anyway. Spencer Dinwiddie is another one that came up um, yeah. and he's another guy that's probably available depending on, you know, Brooklyn's situation there. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. The Bucks have a lot of room continue. for improvement. It's a good point. You, you make about how they need more shooting. Um, like I said, I don't think that team is as good as they were in the last few seasons. No. Uh, do you think Giannis has peaked? Do you think he's going to get even better? Let us know. Please let us know on all socials. Yeah. 
Um, all right, we're moving on to everyone's favorite um, alternative to Shocked and a Fool. Thanks for ratting me out there, by the way, with my control ass. <laughs> I thought that was thank hilarious. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you hit, you hit next and it was like Ananobi. And I was like, he's ah, not getting moved. He's not getting moved, but he's an elite catch and shoot guy. He is. Uh, he's actually turned his career completely around, which we've talked about before. He was not a good shooter coming into the league. No. Um, so for him to develop like that. That's, he also uh, had injury concerns and he's not had any too many injury concerns since yeah. then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, congrats to him. Yeah, shout out to OG. Yeah. Uh, so like I was saying, everyone's favorite alternative to Shaq and a Fool, it's Trash of the Week. It's almost even better. It probably is better. Yeah. I mean, look, if Shaq's going to come at us with petty comments, yeah. that's that's on par for Shaq anyway. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. Um, you want to go ahead with yours first? I've got one. I've got a good one. Please do. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it was... Sorry, I just wow. be smacked the mic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um He's talking back to me. Uh, it was OKC versus Denver Nuggets. And Jamal Murray was making his way up court. Uh, it was about the yeah, it was an end of a quarter, and he threw up a Hail Mary three. And Hamadou Diallo decided that he didn't want that in the bucket. And so he jumped up and swatted it out of the sky. <laughs> the problem with that is. That's it's a it's a goal ten wow. and they counted the three. It wasn't in the clutch, was it? I mate, I didn't even see the score. It was that bad. Um, let me just uh, double fact check this. That's I, hilarious. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. I haven't seen that too often. So that's a good one. Yeah, it's. I don't know why he decided it was nowhere. It wasn't near the rim. That's that's the biggest thing is that it was on its way down. It wasn't near the rim, and. You know, you can't really say that it, it was a, a intentional goaltend. Like he wasn't, he wasn't taking it away because it was a block opportunity. He thought it was the end of the quarter and the ball went up after the quarter had ended. And so he just swatted fire. it out of the sky. Yeah, um, let me just find the video here. Oh, there it is. All right. Can't wait to see this blooper. Yeah, so, yep. so it goes inbound. So it's Denver. Jamal Murray's falling out of bounds, throws up a Hail Mary, and oh, yeah. That nearly went in, too. It did nearly go in. Yeah, so it came off the came off the backboard, and then he touched it. <laughs> and then he went, oh, wait, I'm about to get done. He's like, this. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Wow. Mm, it's bad. That's a strange... He was on the other side of the rim, too. Yeah, it's really strange. So... Is it above the cylinder? That's the thing. Well, yeah, it looks like it's... That is so strange. It looks like it's actually going to hit this, the cylinder. It looks he, like it's going to hit the rim. He just shouldn't have touched it, period. He shouldn't have touched it. Um, it, probably, it probably wasn't going in. Uh, and the fact that he touched it means that, you know, the, the offense was charged three. Uh, sorry, the defense was charged three. They ended up losing. So it was at the end of the third quarter. Um, and it arguably cost them the game because they ended up losing 97 to 95. Wow. So you could probably point at any situation in that game where a player's made a mistake, uh, but that one cost them three points in a two-point loss. So <laughs> that's a bad one. Uh, that is uh, probably the low light of Hamadou's career to this point. So far, it should be, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a bad one. Okay. What do you got for us? Well, I there was a lot of candidates. There were um, a lot this Off week. the top of my head, LeBron had a... He pulled from the logo. logo <laughs> that was LeBron, my favorite. <laughs> an airball big time. That was so good. Yeah. That one wasn't even in my top three. Yeah. Um, there were many candidates, but I settled on a good one. I don't know if you saw this. 
So uh, one of my favorite underrated players for, again, we're going to include Nuggets highlights here. Faku Kampazo oh, yeah. got speared <laughs> by Garrison Matthews. I didn't say this. On a three-point attempt. I, I didn't see it. Let's make sure it's muted. So Jokic running the break, passes to Kampazo. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Matthews. Garrison Matthews with one of the, oh, the worst closeout you've seen in your life. Here it comes again. <laughs> Boom. What are you doing? And it went in, too. So it's a four-point play, potentially. Oh, no. Um, near the end of the third. So, oh, I mean, Garrison. I, I can't say if it impacted. Actually, the Wizards won that game. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, the worst closeout I've ever seen. We'll put up the video. You'll see what we're talking about. And Washington fans are wondering why Garrison doesn't get minutes. Yeah, that's why. Come on, Garrison. That would have glued him to the bench I yeah think. unfortunately that's that's really funny How there was you? also the uh one of my favorite ones with westbrook looking at the rim like it was the rim's fault that he had all the free oh, throw yeah. that was a really good one he bamboozled himself he did yeah. he couldn't believe that he airballed the free throw and it it barely barely touched the net that yeah. was that bad pretty weird yeah, it was a shocker yeah um that was also a close second for me all right maca hot take yeah i got a hot take uh i'm ready to get spicy I was heated about this. We were going to bring it up uh, on our last postponed podcast. Uh, But my hot take of the week is basically the NBA needs to do something about the offensive players jumping into the defense on like attempted contests on shots and then drawing a foul. So the one that really triggered me was Luka Doncic lunging into Andrew Wiggins. This was literally two and almost two and a half weeks ago, but he lunged into Wiggins on a three point attempt. But the shot attempt to draw the foul looked nothing like a shot. Mm. It was just because Wiggins had jumped and was essentially trying to avoid Luca from the looks of it. So he's trying to, and then Luca jumps like three feet to the right and jumps into Wiggins while Wiggins is in midair. Now, there's a lot of things wrong with this, and this is why it's going to get heated. First of all, Luca probably could have injured Andrew Wiggins. If Andrew Wiggins had his head down a little bit, he could have put his shoulder into Wiggins' head, into his jaw, hurt his neck, his face, whatever. Um, and that puts the uh, the defensive player at risk for injury as much as the NBA is trying to protect the offensive player. Mm. There's no place in the NBA for this. This is arguably an offensive foul. And yet the player jumps, contests the shot, jumps out of the way. Luka goes out of his way, jumps three feet to the right to draw a foul. And like I said, could have hurt Wiggins. Could have hurt himself. And the referee is rewarding this rubbish play. Like, I just don't think there's any place in the NBA for it. And it's funny, too, because there was conflicting opinions on it. Uh, I'll just read you what Steve Kerr had to say. He said, quote, I fault the league for basically gifting those calls to all of our players. Our guys get them, too. To me, it's not a basketball play. If you jump three feet forward, I don't think you should get a foul when all you're doing is looking for a foul. Now, I agree wholeheartedly with Steve Kerr. I don't think there's any place for it. I don't think it has any place in basketball, period. It's just that the NBA has enabled this to happen by trying to protect the offense. And I get it. The NBA makes its money off offense. To be very frank, the NBA makes a lot of money off of the middle pack of fans, which are generally casual fans that want to watch the game, see some players hit some threes, watch Curry go off, that sort of thing. Luka making plays. Offense makes money. I get it. But they're overprotecting the offensive player with this type of ruling. Now, Frank Vogel, head coach of the Lakers, said, quote, I'm encouraging my guys when they have defenders off their feet to jump into them and get three free throws. 
especially when it's their best player, the, the one that's defending, to pick up fouls and get themselves free throws. We have a joke that when somebody does that, they get the day off tomorrow. Now, look, this is a matter of, I guess, where your morals are and how you look at the league practically and how you tell your team to strategize when this happens. Vogel's obviously taking advantage of the call because fair enough, maybe you should take advantage of it if it's there. My stance is that morally, and from a, I'm, I would say a bit of a basketball purist, there's no place in the league for this. Players should not be getting rewarded for jumping out of their way when there's no, it wasn't even a, a shot you would take normally. If you're going to shoot, you go up and you take your shot. You don't jump to the side and shoot like a, a wonky looking shot. It makes no sense. And yet the players are getting rewarded for it. So what do you think? I think you're wrong. Okay. Tell me why. I think there's an art to being able to get a player in the air. So right. let, let me just start off by saying that the players that are in the top 10 of free throw attempts this year are the elite players in the league. Yep. They're in, they're in the top 10% players in this league. They are either the best or second best player on their team. They're, they're, it's like that for a reason. So it's not only usage rate. But the ability to draw free throws and to draw fouls yeah. is an art. I agree. So I don't fault players for getting a player in the air and then rewarding that player by giving him free throws. I've so, got a hot take on top of that, sorry. If drawing fouls is art, then what Luca did is graffiti. Okay. It's it's a it's a poor attempt at art and it's a it's a, a bad mark on the art. If so anything. he got his player in the air. That is the, the hard part. Yeah. The hard part is making that player bite on a fake. Yes. Right? So he's done the hard work. Mm -hmm. His job then is to either get to the line or get to the cup. Is that correct? Well, his job is to score, not necessarily to to lean so, into the guy who's okay. jumping at him. So if you if you're on the if you're on the edge, you're you're at the top of the key, right? Yeah. Three point attempt, mm -hmm. you fake, you get your defender in the air. Yeah. What's your next move? I'm gonna try to shoot the ball. Are you going to drive? Because you got him out of the way. Are you going to drive? Oh, sorry. If you if I haven't dribbled yet, then you're still in the triple yes, threat position. Correct. I probably would drive. Yes. Now some players want to just shoot the ball, and that's where that's you draw. Me. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's where you draw. Try to draw the foul. I get that. Yeah. But when the guy's way off to the side, how does it make any sense to go like this? That's not a shot. It's a still, shot would be if you stay like you're going to shoot regularly and you go up for the shot. The defender can jump right by you. I, I Look, I have no issue with what Luca did. I understand the, the perception and, you know, the league needing to crack down on, on you know, hurting defensive players and offensive players because both of those players could have got hurt in that situation. Yeah. What I think that the league needs to do is find other ways to be able to reward players for drawing fouls or drawing... Uh, a player to get into the air. Okay. There needs to be an alternative. I think that Luca is an artist when it comes to having the ball in his hands. Absolutely. He's not fast, uh, nor does he have elite handles. What he has is craftiness, a brilliant mind yeah. in that he can get his player to bite on almost anything he does because he has, you know, elite basketball knowledge and, and, and a mentality. Him getting his player in the air is his job done. He's done his job. Yeah. The next thing that is on his list is get to the line or get to the cup. If he goes, if he drives, he gets doubled or triple teamed almost every time, every game without a doubt. Mm -hmm. If he gets his player in the air, his next move would be to jump into him to avoid a double team or a triple team down low without having to kick out. So for him to get those free throws, 
I don't have an issue with. Mm. I see your point. Throughout a game, the amount of no calls or missed calls, you know, it balances out. The, the fact that he went out of his way to get that call is more of an indication to the referees that, okay, perhaps these players are exaggerating contact. There's, there's another example of it, Kyle Kuzma trying to draw a foul. Uh, I forget who it was against. Um, some, might have been George's Niang, was driving to the cup mm-hmm. and, and kind of initiated contact and then rolled away and had a fadeaway jumper. What Kyle Kuzma did was accentuate that con- contact and fall backward. Yeah. But he stumbled backward like 20 feet. It was way too dramatic and it was classic Kyle Kuzma. Arena. But yeah. this this is the player's way of, of trying to draw a foul and draw that contact yeah. because the league is becoming more and more complacent with contact inside. And that's why players like LeBron and players like um, Luka Doncic are complaining so much because the league is going, no, they get they get calls all the time. There's a reason for it. Mm. They're initiating contact to draw a foul. That is their sole purpose. You know, if if LeBron hasn't got an easy layup, he's looking for contact to try and get an and one or go to the free throw line. Yeah. Arguably one of the worst free throw shooters in that elite level, you know, outside of Giannis. Yeah. But that's his job. That's what he is paid to do. He's, he's paid to get easy buckets and get his team to the line, get the other team into the bonus, and then put guys like Caldwell Pope, who's like a 91% free throw shooter on yeah. the line. Yeah. You know, there, there's an art to it, and there's a reason why these players are, are trying to accentuate contact because the league aren't calling it, the referees aren't calling it, and it's becoming harder and harder and harder to get to the line. You know, there, there's players that are elite at it, like your, your Jimmy Butler, who's one of the best players at getting to the line and, and controls the pace of the game. We saw it in the final series last year yep. that when the game needed to slow down, it was in his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Harden's another one, you know, elite at getting to the line. Joel Embiid, brilliant, you know, for a big man that's seven three to be able to draw contact and get to the line. And he's a 90 high 80% free throw shooter. Trey Young, that's another one. Mm-hmm. Small guy, great at getting to the line. Bradley Beal, you know, Damian Lillard. These are guys that are paid to get to the line and yep. there's there's an art to it. I don't have an issue with getting players in the air and drawing contact. I don't have an issue with it. Okay. So this is where I, I definitely see what you're saying. I couldn't agree more that drawing fouls is an art. That is part of basketball. Uh, shooting free throws is obviously part of basketball. And being crafty with the ball, if you don't have the quickness, like Luka Doncic, for example, you have to make your money if you want to say it that way you have to get your points in creative ways what luca did in the instance with wiggins has no place in the nba drawing fouls for example like uh kevin duran is a good example of this where if he has the ball in maybe a triple threat position and a guy has his hand in and then he goes like this because he's he's going to go up and shoot that's where they call the foul on that that's fine i don't have a problem with that it is annoying to watch but that has a place because the player is reaching what Luca did, like I said, is arguably an offensive but he got, foul. He got his player in the air. Yeah, he got his player was in the air. His player was closing out on a shot that didn't happen. Right. So he should be rewarded for that. But he didn't have to jump three feet to the side. That's what I'm saying. Well, he did to draw the contact. But there wouldn't have been contact if he didn't do that. That's so he wouldn't have been rewarded for the closeout. He could have just shot the ball. He could have, but he needed to get to the line. He's not. He didn't need he, to get to the line. He's not an elite three-point shooter. So his way of getting the three points was by stepping or jumping to the side to initiate contact with a player that he drew into that contact. Yeah. I, I think he needed to be rewarded 
I think that his play was getting the player in the air. I think that's something that a lot of NBA, NBA fans overlook. What they're looking at is going, why did he do that? The answer is simple. He was getting his three points. He okay. was getting the reward for the work of getting Andrew Wiggins in the air. That, that is years and years and years of practice and, and repeated action to be able to draw a player to get into the air when they know that that is what that player is trying to do. Right. And Wiggins is a great defender. Absolutely. So to get him in the air and then to draw that contact was a difficult thing for Luca to do. I agree with you. It's dangerous. I agree well, with you. That's not even the strongest part of my argument. But yes, it is dangerous. What I'm saying is there's a there's a sanctity to basketball and this is encroaching on that sanctity. There's a there's a set of unwritten rules that you shouldn't like I just feel like it's wrong to be doing this. I understand what you're saying, reward the player for drawing the the defense the defensive player out of position. Fine. But if you're driving into the the basket, driving towards the basket and a guy bumps you or if you, you know, lean into the guy like that, that's even debatable, but that's drawing a foul. What Luca did was pump fake, and then Wiggins was going to jump by him, right? Like I said, all Luca had to do was either shoot the ball or pass the ball. I don't think he should have been rewarded for jumping three feet to the right into a shot when that's not a normal motion of shooting, and yet they give him free throws on that. You could do yeah. that all the time. And again, you can punish the defensive player for jumping out of position, but Wiggins was contesting the shot. He was being a def- he was playing defense. And then he was going to avoid Luca by jumping sideways if you watch the video. So on both sides of it, I think, like you're saying, it's an art to draw the fouls. That's fine. But it's also, there's an art to closing out and there's an art to playing defense. You could argue Wiggins shouldn't have jumped. Fine. He could have just closed out like a normal closeout without leaving his feet. But I definitely do not, I'm going to dig my heels in here. I don't think Luca should have been rewarded for that. And I don't think any other player should be leaning into this. It's pathetic. It's really, I really think it's pathetic. The I, way that they're calling these See, I, I don't see that the reward is in him drawing the foul. I think the reward should be on the fact that he made a player bite on a pump fake. And that's the reward. The reward is then that he drew the contact after that. Albeit, unusually, and Super not in a shooting motion, he drew the contact. He deserved to get to the line. All right. I think we should move on because we're not <laughs> going to agree. We're going to continue to have that back and forth. Yeah. Um, my hot take of the week is that staying with... Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, yeah. that it is time for the Dallas Mavericks to explore trade options for Kristaps Porzingis. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. He is a shooting guard in a seven-foot-three body. He's afraid of contact. He doesn't set screens. He's pretty fair. He's really bad at blocking out. Yeah. Uh, he is arguably the weakest big man in the league, and that's not saying he's a weak player. Like, don't take that out of context. He's not a player that initiates contact, nor is he a player that is happy to, to bang down low with, you know, Joel Embiid and those guys. What Luca needs is a big man that's happy to set screens and a big man that's going to roll to the rim and actually impose himself on the opposition's defense. Be the big man that's going to back Luca up when he's in the paint. Um, I'm trying to think of who, who would... Be a good fit uh, Do you Miles, have any examples? Miles Turner, okay. Andre Drummond, you know, a guy that's going to bang down low, actually initiate contact uh, and then roll out. You know, J- Julius Randle. Um, there's a bunch of guys that you can you can name and, and roll around with. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's time for, for Dallas to go away from the, the Euro experiment a little bit and, and try and bring a little bit more physicality to the roster. 
okay. um, because it's just not working with Maxi Kleber and um, Kristaps Porzingis running the four and five. Well, I think Maxi would be a good backup guy. I although agree. I would be interested to see what they can make happen with Kristaps. I think the problem is that they like the fit. They just feel, I feel like they might be a bit stubborn to move off of Kristaps because bringing him in is so fresh still. Yeah. And that happens sometimes where it's like, give them some more time. They can work things out. My main issue, and I actually like that take, my main issue is that Chris Tapps is so frail. He's always injured. Mm. He's one of the most injury-prone players in the Western Conference, if not the NBA, uh, on par with a Blake Griffin. Uh, Gary Harris is pretty often injured. Those types of players, it's just it's hard to have them on your team because you're always concerned that they won't be playing. Well, that's the thing. Look, the, the guy's seven-foot throw, right? He... And he hasn't got the frame to support that size. He's like 7'3 and like 250 pounds, maybe. He's a bit too thick. I don't even think he's that. Maybe. I don't even think he's that. I think he's less than that. Yeah. What they need and something that they've struggled with for the last two seasons is a bully. Okay. So Drummond. Would they need someone that's going to impose themselves? You look at the the series last year against the Clippers. Luca was absolutely battered Robert by Marcus Morris. Morris. The only player that really gave him a chance was uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. And look, for all that franchise is trying to be, they're very flashy. Um, they're, they're a show team. You know, Luka Doncic is a poster boy for the league. Yeah. But when you have a player like that and you go back to the Jordan era where they picked up Dennis Rodman and unfortunately I've had to remove his jersey for the other goat there, um, T-Mac. Yeah. But... Um, Dennis Rodman was brought in to protect Michael Jordan. That was his job. His job was get rebounds and protect Jordan. And he did it at an elite level. I mean, I wouldn't mess with Dennis Rodman. I wouldn't so, yeah, go near works. Dennis Rodman. That works. He's terrifying. I wouldn't be in the same city as I Look, I, I've played center, unfortunately, at 6'3". <laughs> and I don't like it. I don't like But I don't mind when I'm playing against guys who aren't willing to initiate contact. That's easy. That that's an easy game for me. But when there's guys that are out there that are six foot six, physical. six foot seven, that are physical players, which you know most Australians are, yeah. you end up with bruises. And I don't like playing against those guys. Um, but yeah, look, the, what Minnesota need to do, and not Minnesota, what Dallas need to do is assess the roster and add in some bullies, add in some offensive, you know just powerhouses that are going to set really hard screens um, that are going to make your your offense more imposing, like Steven Adams. Um, you know, Bismack Biombo might be a good pickup. He's just yeah. an absolute tank. He's pretty good. Um, Frank Kaminsky might be a good ad. <laughs> nope. <laughs> he's, he's a poor man's version yeah. of a poor man's version of Brazil. You know what I said? Because I said tank. Oh. Yeah. So gotcha. Yeah, you add Frank the tank. Um, slip. He's more like a... He's more like a Frank the the big red car. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's the like Wiggles. Frank the Hyundai i30. Yeah. Like a like an i load. Hyundai i load. Um, yeah, they just need more imposing offense. So like Ken Birch would be a good ad for them. He's yeah. someone that's super physical um, and really good defensively. Isaiah Stewart would have been nice for them. Yeah. Uh, Mason Plumley's playing really well for Detroit, so he'd be a nice pickup if they could end up with him. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, Chris Stapps is just not the answer for what they need. Um, so I think it's time that they move off him. Like, actually, perfect example. Um, it was a game the other night. Uh, forget who they were playing. But Chris Stapps had an open lane to the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Portland, playing against Portland. Right. Had an open lane to the rim. 
dribbled up to the rim and went to, to nicely lay the ball up. Chris Stapp's Porzingis is seven foot three, can reach the rim standing. And he tried to lay the ball up. And Dennis Smith Jr. came out of absolutely nowhere. Sorry, not Dennis Smith Jr. Um, what's his name? We'll get it. I don't know who you're talking about. 55. Derek Jones Jr. Smith oh, Jr. Yeah. My guy. So DJJ, airplane mode, yep. came out of nowhere and blocked the absolute tar out of it. Yeah. Nice. Thank you for covering me on that one. Centered into the 17th row of the stadium. This is a guy that's seven foot three, and the guy that's blocking him is six foot six. Has elite athleticism. Try dunking, but it. just put the ball into the hoop. Just play, just place it in there. Just yeah, that's like, all you need to do. Like seven Boban. foot three. Are you kidding? Like Boban would do. It, yeah, I. That's just a show of you know what they're really missing, and it's that physicality. It's that player that wants to just absolutely rip the rim off yeah um it's and, funny because they yeah they tried to get tougher in the offseason like you say they have dorian finney smith and they also added james johnson who james johnson nobody physical. nobody's messing with yeah uh, he'll karate kick you into next year yeah but nonetheless uh john collins would be a good ad that's he's on the trade market that's someone you you should probably look at going to get he um, plays with the fire. He sets like real hard screens. Yep. He can actually space the floor. He, he's actually a really good corner shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, the, the team just needs someone Something. to come in and, and set a fire. Um, Luca is getting battered almost every game, just gets absolutely beaten up. And we just had that full argument about him. Um, so <laughs> He's beating up the defensive players. Yeah, yeah. Um, he needs someone to come in and... and really kind of set the standard for the rest of the game and yeah. just be like if you even look at Luca the wrong way you're going to get a blindsided screen and Ooh. end up unconscious Man. um like Stephen adams setting a brick wall screen all right finally um this is a new segment here i've called it bucket or brick so essentially it's are you in or are you out on something some rapid fire stuff yeah, this is gonna be snappy uh bucket or brick uh, starting with the Charlotte Hornets making the playoffs. Brick. Uh, that's a bucket. I think they'll make it as the eighth seed. Well, that's not there. even making it. That's a uh, playing tournament. Fair. I still think it's a bucket. I think they'll make it on the back of LaMelo averaging a triple goal. Um, <laughs> Miami Heat making the playoffs. Bucket brick. or brick? Brick, brick, brick. Wow. Brick. From the Miami Heat super fan. I'm sorry. They're just not very good right now. Even with Jimmy Butler putting up, you know, triple-double after triple-double, just really trying to carry the team through. And Bam doing well And as well. Bam playing really well. There's just not enough depth there. Yeah. Um, they need a, a center. They haven't got one. And Bam's trying to, you know, stretch his game out. I think by next year, he'll be shooting threes and we'll <laughs> actually have a center that can rebound the ball. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty long way off at the moment. Yeah. That's a big brick. That's a West Brick. That's a West Brick. Russell West Brick. Russell Westbrook Brick. All right. Next up, New Orleans Pelicans in the playoffs. The brick. Really? Oh, the West is tough. West is really tough. Um, if you look at the the way that they're matching up right now, Boston would be in the play in tournament with their record, their second in the East. Out West, they'd be in the play in tournament. True. Yeah. It's a tough, tough conference. It's hard out here for the Western Conference teams. I'll yeah. say that's a brick as well. I think they'll lose in the playoff. Uh, the play-in tournament. Yeah. Derek Rose on the Knicks. I like it. It's a bucket. That's a bucket. That's a bucket. Yeah, That's he, a good get. Yeah, that is a really good get. For their, um, even for their, their character and the development of those younger players, like quickly working with um, Derek Rose is probably the best thing for his career. Um, yeah. Just quick side note. 
the Knicks fans were blowing up that they traded for a 32-year-old. But you're getting so much more with Derrick Rose than, you know, a player. You're getting a guy that can be the face of the franchise. It's passionate. Is an actual leader. Um, has a history of, you know, pretty debatable history that we may go into at some stage. You haven't, you don't know about it? Oh, the off-court stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. His whole off-court That was when he was in New York, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was. But, uh, yeah, that was a bit yeah. dodgy, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, that's a bucket. Just I think. a real leader. Yeah, exactly. Genuine leader. And a, a, a veteran. So the team is pretty, they've been pretty young and they needed some veteran leadership. Uh, he has a relationship with Tibbs. So that's a bucket for sure. Yep. All right, this is a good one. The Utah Jazz as a legitimate championship contender. Bucket. I'm going to say it's a brick because I said in uh, a persona post that the Jazz are looking amazing. I give them all the credit in the world. They're one of the most fun teams to watch for me because I like the way they play. But I don't think it's sustainable in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to get past the Clippers or the Lakers for that matter if they match up. But only time will tell. See, I think they actually match up really well against the Lakers. They don't have the size. Rudy Gobert. So Conley and Mitchell. Sorry, I should have said Rudy Gobert. I just copied um, <laughs> I just copied Flight then. Uh, his influence yeah. knows no Rudy bounds. Gobert? He knows no bounds. Who's Rudy Gobert? Look at Curry, man. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is uh, one of the best defenders in the league, if yeah. not you know, the best paint defender in the league. So he'll, he'll do a, a very, very good job on Anthony Davis. And then your LeBron closer is, is our man Jingles. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We don't overrate Joe Ingles one bit on this. Nah, man. He, he's an elite one-on-one defender. Our man, Size, Jingles. strength, confidence. Plus, not to mention, match. he's actually really clutch in the playoffs. And, and the pass will prove that. He's uh, he's one of the best playoff performers in the league. Um, I can see them matching up really well against the Clippers as well. So I want to see the matchup. I just don't think they're a legit championship contender. That's where I... Because they'll kill them on the boards. They will absolutely kill the Clippers on the boards. We'll see. That The Clippers play physical basketball, and in the playoffs, things slow down. Mm. I would definitely give the edge to the Clippers or the Lakers. And Donovan Mitchell's elite. He is. He is. I would give 100%. Him that. He's elite. So for everyone saying they don't have an elite player on their roster, I would argue that they have two. Who said that, Shaq? Of course. There's plenty Shaq of people saying there's plenty of people saying they don't deserve to be there. Plenty. Just jump on Twitter. <laughs> jump Bruh. on jump on Reddit. Bruh. It's the same thing all the time. Right. Anyway, hit me. All right, moving on. The Golden State Warriors moving on from Draymond Green. Brick. Yeah, that's a big, big time. Uh, I think we've waxed on enough about how valuable and yeah. how great Draymond Green is. More than just a stats guy. He's their leader, their vocal leader. He's the heart of the, the team. Yeah, the locker room leader. He's everything to them. He is literally a warrior. Yeah. I think it's a good way to describe him. Yeah. So he fits that team. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma City's rebuild strategy. Bucket. Big bucket. Mm. Massive bucket. Um, I, was a little bit, I was a little bit um, skeptical of getting a million draft picks because draft picks are, by definition, just kind of an unknown. They well, actually have a good team still. But they have a competitive <laughs> team and they have a good um, they have a good culture right now because yeah. they have SGA and Lou Dort in the backcourt. And Al Horford. And just Al Horford leading legitimate in the Legitimate leader. Just absolutely. I like Darius Basley. Yeah, I like out of nowhere. Too. Didn't know I liked him until I, like I watched him, him play. Hamadou Diallo is one of the better defenders yeah. in the league. When he's um, not going to take shots, he's awesome. That, yeah. that one. That, 
It's going to be on his resume forever, unfortunately. Yeah. It'll be in like one one percent font <laughs> yeah. at the bottom, but it's on yeah. the resume. Um, but yeah, definitely a bucket for the OKC team. Uh, Bradley Beal quote taking himself off the trade market. That's a brick. That's a brick as well. I like his um, his. I don't know what the word is. I like his loyalty. Uh, it's becoming increasingly rare. I don't think you're going to see too many players going forward that actually retire with the team that drafted them. Yeah. Lillard, Curry, Thompson, and maybe Draymond Green come to mind. Giannis. Maybe Giannis. Uh, but beyond that, uh, it's hard to see anybody definitely, maybe Jokic, definitely staying with the team that drafted them. I think Beal has that sort of character that he does want to stick around, but it's a brick. He needs to go to a different franchise and breathe new life into his career. He wants to be there. That's half the battle. Half the battle is he wants to be there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, just come on. Yeah, that's a good it's point. Time half, to move on. half the battle is being there. The other half is a massive battle. And you could probably split the other half into 25%. Well, the problem, the problem is the franchise. The problem is the franchise. The problem is the franchise don't want to win. Anyway, that's enough about they really upset me, Washington. All right. The Toronto Raptors staying competitive and not blowing it up. Uh, Brick, they should. You think they should blow it up? I think so. See, but I, I look, I'm, let me just interject before you get really upset with me. That's okay. I don't think that they should completely blow it up. I think by blowing it up would be just, you know, giving the the newer guys a face. Like, you know, Fred Van Vliet kind of needs to replace Kyle Lowry now, okay. you know, as as their main backcourt scorer. Just rip the bandaid off and let him run the Exactly. Show. And the same as in the front court. you know, maybe Siakam is not the long-term answer up there. Like maybe Siakam is a serviceable second option. So if you can't bring someone in to assist Siakam, then maybe you move Siakam for a guy that you can hand the keys to. Um, but yeah, look, that's, that's a Toronto discussion. Um, I think that's a bigger discussion. It is. Um, I would just say, I mean, the homer corner of me wants them to stay competitive. And I love like Lowry to no end. Um, one of my favorite players ever. But moving on from him would be beneficial for the team. It's really hard for me to say that. Yeah. Because he's been the equivalent of Draymond Green. Okay. He's, he's the Raptors. heart and soul of the of the franchise. Um, but that's I think that, years. there comes a point where, you know, you just gotta you have to move on from those guys like yeah. it's tough it, it is, is it is tough um but yeah they, they just outgrow the franchise or the franchise outgrows them look they did it with DeRozan, mm. and that was super controversial at the time different circumstances different player in return we don't know what's happening with lowry um i think you were saying they haven't quite blown it up you're you're right they have basically kind of teetered the line uh of staying competitive and kind of trying to rebuild on the fly the Sayu jury is pretty good at balancing that, but it's reaching a tipping point. Yeah. Uh, they need to, I think it's a brick to stay competitive. I think they should probably just move on, but I like watching them play competitively. So, I mean, who knows? I'm the, I'm the same with the heat, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a balance where, you know, it gets to the point where you aren't really winning and you're also not really losing. You're, yeah. You're breaking even, and then you end up in this strange situation where you're, you're not getting a good draft pick um actually you know history's proven that the middle of the draft is arguably the most successful pretty productive to pick up a, a, an elite player so anyway look yeah. that's a that's a bigger conversation but yeah i think toronto need to start making some moves yeah no doubt i think they will too um second last one here nikola vucevic is he going to be the most egregious all-star snub let me say that again <clears throat> nikola vucevic the most egregious all-star snub ever, potentially. 
brick. You don't think so? I think they'll be worse. I think they're, yeah. To this point? They'll be, I can't think of many off the top of my head. Okay. Um, there was- Beal last year. Yeah, Beal really last year, that was really bad. He was the, the lead scorer in the league. Um, Damian Lillard was snubbed a couple, of times, yeah. a couple of times. So there's been some bad ones. I don't think this one's terrible. I would have liked to see Vucevic there. Um, okay, he's having enough. his best season and he's a big reason why Orlando are playing well, so. Yeah, I'll say it's a brick, um, yeah. but it's borderline bucket. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of buckets, Lou Dort? Lou Dort? Lou Dort. Dark Horse MVP? No, nah, brick. Bucket. I, I think what? Bucket. <laughs> I think I think Lou Dort should be in the running for the defensive player of the year, possibly most improved, um, based off his play. Um, but yeah, I don't know about borderline MVP. I don't like the hate. I'm not. I don't hate Lou Dort at all. <laughs> no, I, Lou Dort locked up LeBron, just absolutely, just put him in prison. Just was yeah. on top of him all game. Pause. But he was just making him work. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Lou Dort is probably going to be in the conversation for MVP in the next few seasons. Okay. This year, uh, he's borderline dark horse. I mean, just watch him play. You'll know what I mean. He's brilliant. He really is. He's yeah. unbelievably physical, just super imposing. Yeah. Um, he is a weird brick. size dude. Like He is a brick door house. He, he really is. Well, how, old, how tall is he? 6'3"? He's 6'3 and like 230 yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah. He's like a bigger version of Marcus Smart. Um, which is, you know, he's roughly, he's pretty much, yeah, he's a he's bigger, bigger than he's bigger than Marcus Smart, one hundred percent. Marcus than Smart is bulky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, like a little little bowling ball on the like court. They're like wombats. Wombats. Couple of wombats. Why do you uh, say that so weird? It's just wombat. wombat. What do I say? Wombats. Wombat. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, wombats. Wombat. That's I don't know. It's Canadian accent or something. It has uh, to be. Strange. Let us know if I'm saying wombat very strangely. Yeah, please. If you make it to this point in the episode and you've watched the whole thing or listened to the whole thing, just uh, <laughs> post, uh, send us a message on Instagram or, or comment on this post saying wombat. Yeah. Somebody um, from the Merriam-Webster Foundation, please let me know how to say the word wombat. Wombat. Um, so guys, that's it. That'll do us this week. Um, we hope you enjoyed. It was a, a fiery episode. It was. Um, and if you want to reach out on any social media and let us know what you thought of it, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, myself and Mac have plenty of time on our hands to review all of your posts and uh, interesting conversation pieces. Um, so please feel free to initiate a argument with either of us and we'll oblige. Um, but yeah, thank we you will. guys. Thank you guys for watching episode 11 of the Shoot Around podcast and we'll catch you next week. Actually, no, we won't. Further to that, Ooh, next week we are unavailable. Yeah. Uh, I will be away on holiday. Not really a holiday, kind of just away um, seeing my partner's family uh, yeah. as the borders have opened back up. So yeah. I won't be available next weekend, um, but yeah, we'll catch you again in a fortnight. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank for you listening. guys. Thanks Appreciate for it. watching. And I'll catch you in a couple weeks. Bye.